All right, we're back. We're live. Tapping birdie with my good friend Drew. 2018 Millie Maker. Scratch golfer. Very good golfer. I'm hoping you can help me out with your game. Um, how are you doing tonight, Drew? Great to see you. Yeah, good, man. Thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, shitty week last week for uh, for golf and all, in all pur- uh, <coughs> purposes, I guess, for me. But um, looking forward to this week. Kind of a home. Yeah, no, for me. so. So how was your players? Did did you not uh, not get no, the side bride or what? What happened? No, actually, it wasn't bad. I had a a decent sweat on Monday. Monday, I guess I was up. I was up probably six. I was winning like one smaller GPP for like six k, and then uh, I think I had Rom on Sunday in the afternoon, and he took his. And then JT took a triple. Rom took a yeah. triple. Yeah. Um, or a double and uh, ended up winning like 1500 instead of 6k. So it could have been better, but it honestly could have been worse the way uh, things shook out. So Hideki, I had Hideki in my, my larger dollar stuff. And, uh, <laughs> it obviously didn't work out, but then I was thankful because Xander missed the cut because he got the shitty draw. So those lineups were dead anyways, essentially I would have still liked to see if Hideki would have played 36 holes. Maybe I could have bubbled, but uh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad from a betting side. I'm more of a DFS player, but from the betting side, I didn't have Cam Smith. It was very obvious after the fact. It's one of those weeks where it's like, yeah, I mean, the one of the best players in the world won, Cameron Smith. That makes sense. But you didn't think about that on Thursday, at least for me. I was thinking more of uh, you know, Xander and and guys, I think from a DFS perspective, so 9K and up, and then Cameron's just sitting there doing nothing. Missed him. Yeah, no, it. Well, the first thing about the DFS week, it was like the quintessential DFS week. We have an early withdrawal that no one could do anything about. And then you have like a really bad wave advantage. And then you have a super delay, which is a very quintessential DFS week, like very standard. Can't have anything different for the players. And then Cam Smith, like, I, you know, I've been outrights every week, like always analyzing who's on them and everything like that. Should I have been on him? And I was really upset last night about not being <laughs> right. on Cam Smith because I hit Cam Smith at TOC. I bet him a lot before that, and that was kind of why I was on t- him at TOC. And then I've been saying since December, Cam Smith at Masters, 37 to 1. Bet that now. And then the the real kicker is that I just I bet him at Genesis, like just for shits and gigs, just because like I had an extra spot. And I was just like, Cam Smith, I like him. He's played well here, short yeah. game, whatever. And then, but the good thing about having a podcast is that you can hear and go back to what you thought about him. So when I talked about Cam Smith, I said, look, Cam Smith, I love him. Like, I own my, like, he's a great, like, I love him. One of my favorite golfers, but I just don't see him winning the players. Like, he just didn't fit that player profile for yeah. me. But at the end of the day, when you get everything up and down and when you make every single 10 footer, it doesn't matter if you drive it into the trees or you just have a bad day off the tee because he just made every single putt, everything he looked at. It was it was yeah. very TOCS. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. He really didn't play that well, at least through yeah. Sunday, we'll say. And uh, he was in there and then just went low on on Monday. So it. It, it's really tough in the really strong fields because some of the like the fringe plays are just barely not noticeable in a sense. Like Cameron Smith doesn't pop, and it's really difficult for you to like dig into him when he doesn't necessarily pop. 
price-wise, again, from a DFS perspective, price-wise, you get to a guy that's in the 8Ks. It's like, yeah, he shouldn't be that cheap. I'm going to look into him. Cameron Smith was right on the edge. Like, he was above yep. Berger. Didn't really make sense. You just kind of overlook him. So happy for him. I was surprised. I saw a stat. Seven Australians have won the uh, Players' Championship, I think. Something like that. I want to say seven. I, I could be wrong, but it was a shit ton. Yeah, that, that was the narrative. Because, in my opinion, it's like, Tios, I mean... um, players like you got to keep it in the fairway like yeah it's like a lot of tight like a lot of tight fairways it's and like i tweeted it out i said look it doesn't work like this i'm not saying it works like this but kapalua and players and sawgrass could they be more different courses like genuinely i do not oh, think the they could be more different courses you have massive fairways massive greens at toc you have the complete opposite there, that winning score, minus 33, he won, like, minus 13. Like, but, again, when you're that talented of a player and you just kind of get hot on Sunday, it just it's very easy to win. So I just burned my Masters future. It doesn't matter. I got a 37-1 to 1 on him. He's not <laughs> winning the Masters. He'll win it in the next five years. Like, I've always said, Cam Smith, next five years, he'll win a Masters. It won't be this year. But uh, I, I was happy for him. And, man, just – say it every week the amount of things it took for it to not go into a playoff is unbelievable unbelievable like nine times out of ten he makes par on 17 like he just pushed yeah. it into the perfect spot Fowler did the same thing when he won that won 2016 or whenever he won but yeah I, <clears throat> I don't know what it is with those guys you think of all the holes if anything miss it left in the water instead you're gonna hit it three feet right of the hole yeah, I, he still took an aggressive line. Like, you're a very good golfer. Like, when you saw him hit that, did you think that was kind of a push? Because yeah, I know absolutely. he said it. But how? There's no like, way. How, There's no way. Like, he just wasn't going for it. Well, like, you, can, was, like, you can tell, though. What the, the tell is, if you watch him as he comes down, his eyes get big. And you can see the, oh, fuck, on his face. So yeah. that's the tell. But, yeah, I mean, anything right of the hole is not intentional. Um, yeah. Some guys draw it. So I saw some guys, I forget, it was Mal Nadi or somebody hit some stupid hook out of the water. That's just his shot. But like you're you're leading by three or whatever at that point. Nothing should go right at that hole. So when it got up, got up in the air, you can see it on his face. Just like, yeah. my God, this is not this is not right. This yeah. <laughs> this is not yeah. good. Yeah. So no, and uh, that you just kind of have to get lucky to win a tournament. Like I do think not- he got unlucky on 18 though. I I can't. I played CBC Sawgrass probably four or five times. I don't remember that that hole being as as fast of a fairway into the water yeah i thought he had a pretty good chip out to be honest yeah and, and that thing this, kept going i feel like the, he kind of got screwed the funniest part was like he into the water and everyone's like oh my god it's gonna go to a playoff and then he hits that chip and everyone's like <clears throat> what a chip it's like were you watching all day the final <laughs> round like what are yeah. you surprised about like cam smith straight up and down from 40 yards like he does that 10 times out of 10 like he's just that talented but yeah. I don't know what he's going to do with the money. Like, he already said he had too much money. Just won, like, three mil. I mean, these things are random. crazy. But I luckily had a decent week with my top 20. Sometimes I just get absolutely wiped and outrights in top 20s. If Sam Burns hits it on the green on 17, I probably win, like, 500 off my top 20s. Whatever. It's fine. It's a lot better to have a beat like that when you're up money. Yeah. Than when you're down money. So it wasn't that bad of a week, but I'm glad to move on to the Valspar. Everyone was kind of beating the drum. Everyone's going to withdraw. This is going to look so much different. And 
it really hasn't. No elite no guy other than Paul Ga- Casey has withdrew. So were you surprised a little bit about how there haven't been that many withdrawals? Yeah, I mean, I still, I guess we still have till tomorrow, but I, I assume, and I was thinking about this today, like at what point does Paul Casey like wake up and like, nah, fuck that. I'm not going down to Tampa to play Copperhead. Like you had a grind for the last seven days and you wake up one Monday or Tuesday morning and then you're going to withdraw. What's these other guys doing? Like they're obviously traveling, yeah. so they got to be coming down here. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it really works on the PGA tour for those withdrawals for like the top guys. Like I picture JT, like, is he really, is he in Jupiter already? And he's just hasn't made the phone call to withdraw. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't looked at photos on, on the golf course, but yeah, I've, I'm very surprised. I thought there'd be more guys that would kind of hop off this week. Um, Cause they have a big, I mean, if you think about the schedule next week's the WGC match play. Yep. So in everyone's theory, playing really everyone's, everyone's playing. playing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in theory, if you play well, you're going to play like eight rounds of golf, which is a shit ton. And then you got the Masters right around the corner. So if you take yeah. a playbook out of, or you take a page out of Hideki's playbook, you want to be rested up for the Masters. Apparently, next week you should be rested up and then be prepared to play seven or eight rounds. So yeah, I'm kind of surprised that guys did the grind last week and are still in the in the field so far. But I, I don't know. I mean, this this field is pretty strong. I was really surprised. I, I I guess I didn't pay attention this weekend when they posted the field. I was like, we're just they're just all not going to play. If they're all going to play, man, this is going to be a pretty awesome field. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I think the field is pretty good. And I think that the thing that uh, you just talked about is that JT Hovland and Colin, they're not winning the Masters. They're not going to go. Um, this event, <laughs> match play, not Valero. They can't win the Masters. So that's a lot of golf. So easy. Yeah. I'm developing my Masters narrative, kind of. And like none of those people are playing. But the Copperhead course, one of the harder courses on tour, par 71, 7,300 yards. The big thing I'm really looking at this week, and I think it checks out when you look at the people that have played well, is that long iron play is just so unbelievably important. This week, you're just going to have so many approach shots from over 175 yards and even over 200 yards. These par threes are really long. And, you know, there's a lot of podcasts that go into, you know, exact details and, you know, um, stats and stuff like that. You know, this isn't always always check out Andy Lack's Inside Golf Podcast, but you got to work it both ways off the tee. And it kind of forces you to club down a little bit. And that's, again, why you see some of these longer approach shots. And so what's kind of stats and what type of things are you looking at for golfers this week to succeed at Valspar? To be honest, it's really similar here at Valspar versus the last three weeks to be to be completely honest um certainly the honda and then last week obviously with the weather's kind of kind of funky but if you look at even the leaderboard from last last year and look at last week you got keegan bradley um victor hovland you have abraham answer max homa had a good week um boosty your boys there jokey neiman had a good start so it's a lot of the same details off the tee like you said you're going to be laying back to 275 or so on a lot of holes and i've played copperhead quite a bit i think it's one of the best golf courses in florida in terms of like you get rewarded for good shots like you have to position your your tee shots well and then have to have a really good second shot to get on the green because the greens are actually pretty tough so the greener regulation rate is really important this week um but i really do think the same stuff you looked at the last couple weeks is going to fit perfectly here outside of whatever you want to do with saturday's round for guys that played in that shit but um yeah i mean like you said driver distance is not important a lot of layups off the tee guys are going to you know, hit three wood irons on a lot of holes. Um, I think I estimated there's really like two holes where you have to hit driver. You don't even have to hit driver, but they probably hit driver. 
some of the par fives they lay up with three woods. Yep. To be completely honest, because the way the the holes the holes are pretty narrow and they dogleg. So a lot of guys will hit three wood and they'll stop short of the dogleg and they'll just play it as a three shot hole. So it's a really kind of it's a good golf course, but it's kind of funky in that regard. Um, so to me, I'm just kind of keep it simple as the same couple uh, weeks back. You know, accuracy off the tee is important. Greener regulation is important and uh, and go from there. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think that's really great to hear, and I'm glad that you have experience playing the course and you, you get a fit for it. But I think Florida golf's a lot of the same, and that's why a lot of the people that I'm betting, I'm just like, I've been on you for the last two weeks, and you've been playing well in a similar, you know, difficult Florida course um, with a yeah. lot of long approach shots. It's like, why hop off now? So let's get into the board, $10,000 range. Top of the board, we got DJ, Zander, Colin, Victor, and JT. I, I'm not betting any of these guys and I'm kind of under the impression recently more and more that it's not worth it for me to bet somebody under 20 to one because they just don't hit at the clip yeah. you need them to. And the thing is you have to front so much money. I like to win $1,200 on outrights. I'm betting every single outright to win $1,200. But when you get to a below 21, you just have to front so much money. And you know what? If the favorite of the golf tournament was winning every three weeks or every two weeks, I would think about it, but it just hasn't been happening. So from a betting perspective, I want nothing to do with anyone 20 to one, but from a DFS perspective, if I'm starting my lineups. How can you not start it with Victor Hovland? I don't see any reason as to why he cannot succeed at this course. He's excellent with his long irons and he's been playing really, really good in difficult conditions. And, you know, everyone wants to talk about the around the green game and, you know, granted it's not great, but he doesn't need it to top five and he's shown it. So I like starting my lineups with him. I'm not sure where the ownership will be, but where are you thinking at the top of the board this week? Yeah, I actually like hobbling quite a bit. It's, it's, it's funny with the, a little bit of course history, you can see, you know, Hovland played well here last year. Um, and to your point, talking about just kind of circling back on Cam Smith, some of these elite guys, it doesn't matter if it's a bombers track or this short kind of quirky track. We've seen DJ at RBC heritage play well, hitting irons off a lot of tees. Victor Hovland's one of the longest guys on tour, JT as well. They played really well in this in the past. So I think Victor Hovland's probably the lean. Um, didn't see enough from Colin Morikawa, but again, it's really tough to kind of gauge how some of those guys played in that in that wave on Saturday. Um, but for me, the other guys I really don't want to touch. Xander, I don't have a lot of interest in. JT's probably, I wouldn't say too expensive, but Victor Hovland's playing well, and I feel like he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder off the last week. Yeah, I was following very closely because he was one of the guys in the 6k roster on monday and when he chipped it on i want to say uh 12 i think it was 12 he hit it just short of the green and like um off his drive (laughs) had a chip in Uh, you get up and down for birdie and he chips it over the green ends up making bogey and like i feel like he's got to be itching to uh to capture a win because he's been right there for the last two months really so victor alvin i'm with you there the other guys, I don't have a problem with DJ. Um, I think he'll get a little bit extra ownership off of his Sunday round, Monday round. But I think Hovland's the safest one up here. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and any stat you look at, Hovland is just going to be good at first. Last 24 rounds, first and off the tee, first in approach, second in proximity from 200 plus, second in par five scoring, fifth in good drives gain. Like, I just don't know what more you could want. My only cause for concern a little bit is that this – 
this kind of happened with Cantley, and I was a victim to it. It's like Cantley played really well at a bunch of events in a row, and then he got to Genesis, which was naturally a good landing spot. You know, it's in California. He's played well there before. I didn't really play well because, you know, maybe you could chalk it up to him being a little bit worn out. So I worry about that with Hovland this week. But, you know, I'm going to go there to start my DK lineups. We'll not be betting him outright, but um, – I don't see him getting tired either. Like, JT shouldn't get tired, but I could kind of see him being a pansy after, like, a long week because he's made plenty of money. Um, Victor Holland's made plenty of money, but I feel like he actually enjoys just fucking playing golf. So, um, the other stat that I'll throw out there really quick for Holland. So, I ran a a special stat for us for holes where the the field average driving distance was under 280 – he beats the field by 11% on driving accuracy. So he hits 11% more, more fairways and then 14% greener regulation rate goes up. So on those holes where again, he's a bomber. So like you can say the same thing for him being well, you know, good fit on Aaron Hills or something, but on this golf course, he actually fits the bill better than anybody over nine K um, based on what I ran for holes where driving distance was under 280 for the field. So I think he'll see a lot of that this week. And I think that's a good sign for, again, green regulation is going to be big, but driving accuracy, you know, let's see some guys that can lay up, you know, uh, methodically, get it in play. Don't so, do stuff. So Drew is the founder of Fantasy Golf Bag, and I, I did a few best ball leagues. How are your teams looking to start the year? It's an absolutely amazing website. <laughs> Go check it out. It's really yeah. great. How are your teams doing to start the year? Uh They've been sluggish. Uh, I think <laughs> I think I've had too much Bryson to be to completely honest. Um, I'd have to pull it up and see. I don't have anybody. Let's see. I'm I'm profiting twenty bucks right now, so I'm in for 134 bucks, and I'm making 156 currently. Um, but a lot can change. I mean, again, it's yes. best ball, so a lot can change every week. Just off of this past week, when um, when we get the Cameron Smith added in there, he's going to jump past Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler's been crushing everybody, and all of a sudden now the Cameron Smith teams have been lagging behind off of really nothing because it didn't start at the TOC. It started at Sony. So Cameron Smith teams are about to go to the moon. Got it. So hopefully I have enough. (laughs) We'll see. So as we move into this next range, 20 to one and above nine K range, like I really got to talk about Louie for a second. Please. And like, this is the thing. I think this is a perfect course for him. And I think that when you look at, Paul Casey going back to back and Louie having some of the best course history that checks out because those are some of the best major players over the past eight years. And Louie doesn't finish top three at Torrey Pines and um, the ocean course. If he's not good from 200 plus, like those are just too long of courses. So it makes perfect sense that both of these players have excelled here. They're both really good in majors, good at avoiding bogeys. Louis 24 to one. Yeah. It's tempting, but I can't bet somebody that I legitimately do not believe has the stones to win a golf tournament on Sunday. Like I I've given up. He can't win. Like he does with a four shot lead. He can with a four shot lead on Sunday. That's sure. It. You and can't grind the, it out. <laughs> and I have to be I have to be honest with everybody because I, I'm an honest person. Like I'll throw 25 bucks. I'll throw like 25 bucks. I won't put I'll do like half of what I normally like to win on an outright on Louie, just because I can't not be there if he does win. But he won't. He absolutely won't win. And I would love to bet him top 20, top 10. The numbers just aren't good. I'm gonna need 
but he just he hasn't been cashing those like recently. And I think that what do you think his ownership is going to be this week? Because I just think if you look at course history, he's going to be very popular. But again, he's burned a lot of people recently. So I think that might keep people off him. Where, where do you see his ownership coming in about? I don't think I don't think Louis gets a lot of ownership. I think he gets a lot of talk for the same reasons that you're talking about. He's a very good grinder. Um, I, 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 I listened to your podcast for the Honda, and I think the same principles apply, where the scoring is not going to be 24 under par. The winning score is not going to be 24 under par. He can hang around 8 to 10 under par. That's his game. Like, like honestly – in majors, that's really his bread and butter because he knows that par is a good score. This golf course is really similar to that. So I don't know if his ownership will get up, but I'm sure people will talk about him. People, He doesn't project well, which is another part of the ownership kind of angle. Um, but he's a very solid play anytime he tees it up. Yeah, And he's never over 10K. So, I mean, he's always a solid play. But he's not. he, he gets talked up, which is fine, but he doesn't get, he doesn't get owned. Yeah. So who are you playing in the nines this week? Are you betting anyone in this range, kind of the, the 20 to, to 40 range? And, and who are you playing in DraftKings? Yeah, so Shane Lowry stands out quite a bit again. Yeah. I was, I think he, he obviously stood out probably for everybody last week. But we, again, we only had four rounds if we count this year back at the Honda. He played pretty well at the, in the European Tour. Um, but adding in the rounds from last week, I mean, he's, he's one of the best in the field um, or the best one of the best over 9k this week. Terrell Hatton, I don't have a lot of interest in. Um, Louis Ustazen, like you said, is fine. And then at the bottom range, I don't have a lot of interest outside of answer, to be fair. Um, Fitzpatrick, I think, burned people, so that might be an interesting bounce back spot. But yeah, if I wanted to bet anybody, it would be Lowry. I think this is a good comp for Lowry. If we, if we, like I said, the golf course profile of Copperhead versus. Last week with the driving distance around 275, the same with the Honda, get it in play off the tee. Shane, Shane Lowry does really well. Um, I think this is one of those spots where he can maybe bounce back and capture a win when we've kind of been on him a little bit. And maybe it's like the Cam Smith deal. When he wins on Sunday, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's so obvious. And and not as many people are on him. So I do like Shane Lowry quite a bit. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I haven't been this excited about an outright bet in a really long time because my friends at the Golf Betting Tips, so they track everyone's tips, and he isn't on the most tipped chart, which usually yeah. the people I really like and people I'm really excited to bet outright are very highly tipped, and you know that checks out. Everyone's looking at the same things and the same reasons, but – I think that he's, you know, catching a little break this week. But again, like we talked about, he's just been so stellar in Florida. Like, why would you give up now? Like, he almost won the Honda, another very difficult event in yeah. Florida, a lot of long approaches. And then last week, he start, if he didn't start slow, like, he could have been right there with it. Obviously, that hole-in-one really projected yeah. him and really – but, yeah. like – Overall, he, he played started, really well. Um, he played really well. So over the past 24 rounds, he's third in approach. I'm looking for in-form approach, like iron players in Florida. Seventh in bogey avoidance, 14th in that proximity distance over 200 yards. Like he's third in my model. Like he's just playing a lot of really great golf. So again, we're I'm betting more on Shane because like I really feel really good about this. And if he was the most tip guy, I'd be like, all right, he's not going to fucking win, like whatever. But I think he's not really catching a lot of steam this week. So I'm hoping that it's a little bit lower, but I love Shane Lowry. Absolutely favorite play of the weekend. When we talk about kind of moving our DraftKings lineups 
into the 6K range, like I'd rather start maybe some lineups in the nines, starting with Lowry, going Lowry Kokrak or Lowry answer as a way to differentiate myself. And obviously I'm going to want to play Hovland, but I think maybe a more balanced build starting with Lowry and Kokrak and answer is a little bit of a build I'm going to do in DraftKings this week. Yeah, I like I like the balance build. If I were going to start, so depending on how many lineups I build this week, if I was going to set a group, I would probably max out with one over nine k. So it would either you know set me up to to play Lowry and then play balance the rest of the way, or if I play JT or Victor Hovland, I'm skipping the nine k range. Yeah. Um, even though we've seen a lot of like the, the stars do well here over the years, there's a lot of win equity that's like you you basically remove if you play two of them. Because there's the odds of either of them finishing in the top ten are probably small, um, but the bottom part of your lineup is going to be pretty critical. It's a, uh, it, it's this week shouldn't be as bad as the last two in terms of the cut sweat, but I would much rather go the balanced route in terms of making sure I don't get overexposed in the six k range. Definitely. And the next guy I'm betting in this range, so I got a 40 to 1 with a top six each way on Bet Rivers. Um, I suggest go playing that. Um, is Jason Kokrak. I know he's very popular this week, but I just you look at the course history and it's just so good. Almost one here in 2019 has an eighth place finish and a 13th to go along with it. You know, is Kokrak gonna win four times in a short amount of time? You know, I don't really know, but I just think um, 40 to one is a pretty good number. And with the each way, you know, he battles and he plays well, you know, I, I, I like that. And he tends colonial Houston. Those are like hard club down long approach courses. Like he's not going to win an event. I know he won the CJ cup, but that's not really his MO is winning an event, super low scoring. I like him in a more grinder, um, event with a lot difficult, more difficult scoring conditions. And I think it's no wonder why he hasn't played really well here. So the recent form is okay, but he hasn't missed the cut since his win at Houston, but no super high finish, but he's still putting well. I think he gets a little bit back off the tee. And so I'm in on Kokrak at 40 to one. And, you know, it's early in the week. It's a weird week. Those are the only two guys I've bet. Um, so far my cards kind of open, you know, I have a, a 30 to one and a 40 to one and I can kind of go in either direction. So I'm going to try and wait up a little bit and just see what I kind of want to bet. But, um, as we move down a little bit, um, Fitzpatrick, you know, what do you do with a guy in DraftKings when he's the highest owned guy? He was the highest owned guy last week, 24%, and he goes out and misses the cut. There just has to be an ownership discount on him the following week. Do you think he's a good pivot this week? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wasn't on him last week for the ownership reasons. Um, so the big thing with me, if so from a DFS perspective, when you talk about 24 25% owned, and I, I think that's where he clocked in at in the Millie Maker, that's literally like 30,000 lineups. <laughs> So it's 30,000 people that have him right off the bat. So if you play him, you're already trying to cut the next five guys with 30,000 people. So it doesn't make any sense to play that, um, especially in a really strong field. Now, if he was the favorite and, you know, it was an Asian tour event, sure, you play 30% owned um, Matthew Fitzpatrick. But yeah, this week, hopefully this is like the perfect storm. He's super popular last week. He misses the cut. Uh, he gets a price decrease. Hopefully people kind of jump, jump off a little bit. They got burned. They immediately don't don't go back to him. You play him. Um, it's, it should be a pretty good course fit. Honestly, he plays better on longer golf courses, but 
again, from an ownership perspective, this is a spot where you would jump right back. At least, at least for me, again, I, I faded them for the most part last week. I'm more apt to jump back on to guys I faded and they burned other people. Um, maybe it's more just like a sinister uh, greed thing. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, this should be a good spot where you get an ownership discount. Yeah, and I think the lower 8K range, like kind of this like 50 to 60 to 1 range is like very interesting because there's a lot of compelling cases for a lot of people. So you have Bubba, who's been fantastic here, leads and strokes gained on this course. You have Norin, who I think is a very popular play for good reason. He's been playing some really excellent golf dating back to the waste management. Approach has been really great, hasn't been putting great. Gary Woodland, past winner here. You know, almost one API. Like, he checks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Sobel's on him. I know that's a curse. I'm not betting him because I believe <laughs> in it, and he's not going to win. But, I mean, 70 to 1 on Gary Woodland, like, it's not a big investment. I, I don't really fault it. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. He's a past champ in good form. Like, those always kind of check out and are very popular plays. Yeah, and I like – as long as the ball striking stats check out, which I, we run a proximity stat called super prox. And like, for me, like Russell Knox is going to be my MO all year. Um, so from like 125 to 150, he should have about 23% of his approaches and he's averaging 27 feet from 150 to 175. He's going to have another 23, 23% of his approaches per round. And he's averaging 29 feet. I mean, he's been basically checking this box every week. He almost kind of got it done last week. He, or Monday, you kind of made a little run there to start his round, but, I think Russell Knox at 8,100, this is a perfect fit for him. Um, no issue with Gary Woodland. The other guys that really kind of stand out, Gary Woodland, Keegan Bradley, obviously off last week in the uh, the recent form, uh, or sorry, the course history. But the problem with Keegan Bradley is it seems like, it seems like he grinded really hard Sunday for that win. He might be a little bit on a letdown. Um, so I'm a little bit hesitant to go back to Keegan, even though I'm sure stats will check out for most people course history checks out recent form checks out etc um but if you think about it from a golf perspective he he was really like he was engaged on monday yeah that was fun to watch it was really fun i i was rooting for him to be honest i like keegan bradley um but yeah i i think i think this might be one of those spots where you you kind of take take a break so i'm a little bit off of keegan bradley this week so what about like, like, I'm not kidding. If you're listening to this, go into your local sports book, go on DraftKings, go to your local, and you go to first round leader and you throw 20 bucks on Keegan first round there leader at the Valspar. Like, I saw the stat. Yes. Yes. It is I, like, I, thank you for ridiculous. reminding me. Yes. It is so <laughs> ridiculous. He was first round leader here last year, he was first round leader in like a few years ago, and then he went on to miss the cut. And he's always had a super high finish in round one here yeah. he loves this course and he's playing well like this will be the biggest community first round leader win ever i will be on it everyone should be on it because should, there's yes. a good chance that it does come into fruition um but this so this event was in may last year and this was kind of where i started like kind of like started like in the golf betting like space like i think at the Match play master. I started posting my card a little bit. And then at the Valspar, I don't know what the fuck it was, but I was just like Keegan Bradley, like plus 700 for a top 10, like slammed this. Like this is a (laughs) great play. And it hit and I got like, so like Valspar, these kind of events were like kind of where 
I kind of started, so I'm a little sentimental. But Keegan outright, no, he's not winning. He he doesn't win. But first round leader, absolutely play it 1,000%. So I wrote Cam Tringali up in my DFS article for this week. And I don't love it. I, I don't absolutely love it, but I think it's a squeamish ownership play that could turn out very well. So the reason I like Tringali is that one third place finish here last year. So we obviously can play well on this course, but I really like playing Tringali in really difficult conditions. Second at Zozo, tough event. Seventh at Houston, very tough event. Third at Farmers, again, another tough event. So off two missed cuts, I just think that the ownership will be a little bit lower. And I think saw some crazy outright numbers, 125 to 1. I don't know if he can win. I, I, I don't know. And, again, I'm not – usually I have my car completely done. I'm telling people oh, I'm betting this, yeah. I'm betting that. Like, I don't – I'm not done. with. Like, I don't know who I'm really betting. I have two guys. Like, that's really all I'm kind of looking at. But Adam Hadwin is probably going to be – Chalk of the week. He's got to be yeah. over 18% owned, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that would be good, Chalk? Do you think it's worth it to play him? I mean, pet, oh, again, the winning formula, not a winning formula, but a popular formula and a formula that makes sense is a past champ with good course history off a really good finish. That's Adam Hadwin to a T this week. Yeah. Yeah. Hadwin, Hadwin came up. For me, the last week, he was someone that was popping for like three weeks in a row and a lot of our data. And um, it's it's funny when you get into a strong field, some of these guys just kind of fall beneath the uh, the surface and you don't really look at them and he, and he showed up again. So I think 18 percent is a little bit steep. But again, you're not looking at one hundred and fifteen thousand people in a contest. So I would be willing to play Adam Hadwin and match the field. I'm yeah. not scared of that. I think. In that range, that's the other problem. I really do like Russell Knox at 8,100, who's just a couple hundred bucks more expensive. Kisner kind of fits the mold as well. But outside of that, there's really not a lot of guys. Like, I'm not a big Aaron Wise guy. Um, people will, will certainly play him again this week. They've been playing him all year. Brian Harmon has not done well here. I think he has three missed cuts in his last five yeah. years. Um, Vegas is probably okay, but Redmond, Taylor, Pan, <laughs> Schwab, there's nobody. And again, I'm jumping down off of my list. But there's nobody really that sticks out um, in this mid to high 7K range. Hadwin's probably going to be a guy that just it's just part of the chalk that I have to eat. Yeah. So I'm looking at I'm trying to I'm trying to you know kind of build my like hundred dollar two hundred dollar single entry, and I just I'm I'm like I'm liking like a Lowry, Kokrak, Norin, Hadwin, leaving me with seventy two hundred dollars, and then. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I like Laird. I like Yeah, Laird. Laird, Laird does like, check out pretty good this like week. Like Laird really checks out. He has a crazy <laughs> outright number. But a lot of the stats I'm looking at, like he just fits out really well. I think he's like pretty high in my model. Yeah, he's 11th in my model. Again, my model is not. I'm not a model guy. Whatever. But he's third in proximity from 200 plus. First in good drives gained. 13th in approach. Like those are a lot of kind of boxes to check for me at $7,200 and over a hundred to one added to the outright card. He's on it. Best number I could get. I'm not sure, but Martin Laird outright and in DraftKings. I really like that. And I've kind of been, I haven't been doing great in my hundred dollar single entry, $200 
I, do you think I should change it up and maybe kind of go a 150 max same investment? But I, I don't know. I don't want to give up because I've played it every single week. And I the one week I no. don't want to play it and then I have a good lineup, I would be very upset. You're talking about like the 222 they have right now? Yeah, like playing that and then like the yeah. $100 single entry. No, hand building, hand building is a really good way to go. Um, I think people underestimate if you go to 150 max, it's um, it's 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 a fucking job to uh to make sure your exposures are right. So, yeah, hand building I would definitely prefer for most people. And for you, I, I would say if you're hand building and you've been doing pretty well, you stick to that. Obviously, you're going to be hand selecting guys. Chalk isn't necessarily like the forefront of your mind. In MME, it is because like if you're going to play 100 lineups and it's 30% Cam or Matthew Fitzpatrick, yeah, you got to take some stands. You can't just, yeah, I'm going to play 50% Matthew Fitzpatrick this week with my 100 lineups. It's not going to do much with 115,000 people. Um, but yeah, with a single entry like that, that's a perfect opportunity. You play a little bit of chalk. You can pivot a little bit. Like Martin Laren's not going to be popular. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of the same stuff you do. I'm using different proximity numbers. Um, so for us, we're looking at 150 to 175, and we have another percentage for 175 to 200 that's scaled. And he is like top 20 in the field in both ranges from 150 to one to 200 yards. So it's interesting to see that. And the other thing too is I think driving accuracy is thrown out the window a little bit this week. Okay. His his driving accuracy number looks pretty good. Um, but I don't think it really matters just because you're not hitting driver. And so I try to do some weighted stuff with uh, driver distances for guys, but for the most part, proximity is key for me. And um, I think I'm right with you with Martin Laird. So I might just have to, I mean, I'm skeptical. So some of these guys that, that show up from time to time, you're always a little bit hesitant. Like, well, he hasn't, you know, you haven't seen his face for a top 10 in a year or two years. So maybe now that you uh, you mentioned his name, I'll have to play him a little bit more this week. Yeah, I've no, been hesitant I, since I'm, uh, look, Hill. I'm looking at this lineup, hundred dollars left. So I, I think I'm going to enter this. Honestly, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this. And the last guy I want to get your take on it, and we can yeah. talk about. But Shane Lowry, Kokrak, Norin, Hadwin, Laird, Svensson. So what do you think about Svensson? Because I do like Svensson, Svensson yeah. at Honda was very, very popular. And people were like, why is his ownership 15%? It was like $6,500. And he showed up and he couldn't putt, but he's a tee to green machine. And his approach numbers are really great. And he's great off the tee. He just couldn't buy a putt. Had the week off last week. Like, again, yeah. we're talking about these similar courses. We're talking about Florida. Like, I think he kind of fits that build of someone that has a good result in Florida. I could perform well here. So do you like Svensson this week? Yeah, I do like Svensson this week. Similar to what I mentioned earlier for uh, Victor Hovland, he actually on holes, and again, a lot of this is Honda Classic stuff, um, but holes where the field average driving distance is under 280, which is what you're going to see a lot this week for most of the par fours and par fives even. Um, he's gaining on the field in both green regulation and driving accuracy. So those two things for me, if you're hitting in the fairway, that's step one. Hitting at more greens and regulation in the field, that's step two. Um, and he's doing both of those. So putting aside, I don't really care. This isn't going to be a 20 under par winning score. Yeah. So, you know, if he shoots six under par, that's that's pretty good. I don't I don't see that out of the question at all. And that could be a top 10 pretty quickly, depending on the weather or the, how the course is set up. Minus 10 isn't out of the question either. So, yeah, I like Svensson quite a bit, especially at the price. Um, I, I, I just think there's a lot of carryover to looking at guys that have played well the last couple weeks here in Florida. I think there's a lot of carryover for the golf courses and just Florida in general. So don't be afraid to lean a little bit more yeah. on 
you know, how did they play at the Honda or the players or even Bay Hill um, for those guys that did, you know, two, two or three of those events. I think that's actually a pretty good angle this week. So what are some of the guys you're looking at in the lower sevens, uh, maybe high sixes that you were looking to roster and kind of round out your lineups? Any guys that are popping for you in this range? Yeah, Sam, Sam Ryder is starting to pop. And I think it's more of just, you know, relative to the field strength down in this low range. It's funny how, how strong this field is up top compared to a normal Florida swing event um, outside of like Bay Hill and players, obviously. But um Sam Ryder looks pretty good at 7K, so I'm good with that. Taylor Moore looks really good in our proximity numbers. Um, the other couple guys, let's see. I'm not going to mention Mito. He grades out okay, but it's it's kind of like a, a boat losing water or gaining water, I guess. He's kind of <laughs> – he's barely staying afloat. Um, and then in the 6K ranges, the guy that I want to go back to quite a bit, I'm curious your take, Kitayama, I feel, is disgraced this week at 6,500. Um, obviously played really well at the Honda, so a lot of the data that I have is from just the Honda. But then he went to the Puerto Rico Open, and he finished like 23rd, 28th. So he yeah. played pretty well back-to-back weeks. And again, to my point, this golf course is going to be a lot like the way the Honda sets up in terms of accuracy off the tee. You're not hitting a lot of drivers. You're just getting it in play, and then you're hitting a lot of good iron shots onto the green. I like Kitayama, especially at the price. I mean, 6,500 is a, a joke. Yeah, no, I love it. And someone just said, also, I think for some leeway, Kirk Kitayama has been decently lately. No one is going to play him at decent in Puerto Rico. He, I mean, he was all over it. You read his mind. I was like, yeah, I was kind of <laughs> looking at like a rolling like report. And I'm like, Kurt up here. Okay, I'm fine with that. I, I have no problem with that. And I thought I messed up my sheet when I saw a 65. I was like, fuck, I forgot to pull down my formulas or something. And then. No, he's really 6,500. Like, no, that can't be right. Yeah, it is. It's down here with Nate Lashley and Tyler Duncan. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that is absolutely a misprice. And I think that if, you know, he went out and go went miscut at Puerto Rico, I think it's a different story. But it's absolutely yes. found something yeah. in his game. And it's 6,500. I like that. I'm taking that. I'm I'm telling you on that. I'm playing it. So we're talking about misprices in the 6K. And I tweeted this out earlier. I don't know if you saw it. I might have missed it. I'm sorry. But um okay. Why is Martin Laird min price at six thousand dollars? Like Martin, Martin I, Laird? Do, who? Who no, no 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 Martin Trainer. Martin Trainer. Okay. <laughs> Why I mean, is Martin Trainer min price at six K? Okay. All right. The joke with Martin Trainer is that he misses every single cut, that he won the Puerto Rico Open, and that he missed every single cut. And then we go to Houston, another tough Bermuda track, and he's first-round leader, and he's, like, in contention on Sunday. And everyone's like, where the fuck did this guy come from? Like, he misses every cut. Okay, he contended there. Another tough um, Bermuda track. Okay, all right. And then – and then I've been kind of keeping an eye on him because I like live bet him at 40 to one that week. And I was like, it's not about the money. It's about like the principle. Like when you get a guy in the lead of 40 to one, like you bet him. Okay. And then he made the cut at waste management. And then he made the cut at Honda. Like yeah, he's playing decent. And then, the real reason I even thought about it is because I went on my local and he was a thousand to one to win, not a hundred to one, a 
thousand to one to win, ten to win, ten grand. He is thirty-three to one for a top twenty and sixty-six to one for a top ten. Egregious. I'm putting my reputation on the line this week. Martin Trainer will make the cut at the Valspar. Reputation on the line on a mid-price Martin Trainer, and I couldn't be more excited about it. You'll be solo on this show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am I don't, telling I don't, you. I, I don't hate the take. And I, obviously, 1,000 to 1, you bet anything 1,000 to 1. Anything should be 1,000 to 1. You bet it, obviously. Um, <laughs> but I, it's not far-fetched. I don't think he's doing it in the right categories where there's upside yeah, past the made cut. So <laughs> He's just putting unbelievable. But yes, yes. I – Again, uh, like uh, he's not going to be in my two hundred dollars single entry. That's good. That's a step. That's like a step. <laughs> I, I'm, that's fine. Like I'm okay with that. But you know, I think a Hovland trainer build, like right off the bat, like I mean, he's going to be less than one percent owned. Again, reputation. You'll be the only guy. So I don't know how the percentages yeah. work, but you'll be the 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 one guy out of however many people. Like, whatever that percentage is, yes, that's that's it. <laughs> but he should not be the same price as fucking Alex Fitzpatrick and like these other rant like Omar Utesti. Like that is ridiculous. He Do you want a side bet? I'll take Alex Fitzpatrick against them this week. All right, side bet. Know. We're on it. I'm fine with that. I, I don't think Fitzpatrick is gonna make the cut necessarily, but I would rather take his upside to make the cut based on what, what I've seen could him you lately. possibly know about Alex Patrick? Like what he, is he's his like, he's one of like the top three amateurs in the world. He's Oh, he's young. <laughs> yeah. He's in college. He's in college and he's Matthew Fitzpatrick's brother, but he's better than Matthew Fitzpatrick. He's going to be, he, he's going be to be. Fun. Yes. He's going to yeah, be. Yeah. My sorry. thing with, with Matt Fitzpatrick, like I really liked him at, at Bay Hill and the top 10, like he just like, I know, like I said this and someone's like, Oh, that I was like, I don't think he can make enough putts. He makes a lot of 10 footers for par, but that's not going <laughs> to win an event unless it's no. like an open champ. It's not like an US Open at fucking like Aaron Hills or something. Like that doesn't, no. w- yeah, he's great at saving par, but like the winning score this week isn't going to be yeah, minus four. I would say it's going to be around 14 <laughs> to 15 under. I don't think it will quite be Sam Burns, and I don't think it will quite be uh, yeah. Paul Casey. Where do you low see teens. the um, w- low, teens. low teens, you would say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I haven't looked Another, at the weather because I have no idea. After last yeah. week, weather forecast fucked everything up. So yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, low teens is I think is a safe guess. Yeah, uh, and another like thing day, that's giving me a little bit of hesitation. I think this why this week's a little bit harder, and it's not always great to just look at what the winners did. But bait like on a lot of tournaments, you would have basically two more winners to look at recently to see what they did and who they are and the type of game they are. Yeah. But here, since you have Sam Burns winning, then you have a COVID year, so no winner. And then you have Casey Casey. winning twice. Yeah. Like at a normal event where there was no COVID, you have two more winners in there that are probably going to be different. So I think it's harder to get a gauge as to what type of player will win here. And then you have Hadlin. But I think I think talent just holds true. Like, so I'll just go back really quick to 2019, and maybe this is anecdotal in terms of like the leaderboard. But like Paul Casey finished first, and then Louis Oosthuizen second, Kokrak second, Bubba Watson, Sung J M, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Ryan Armour, and Austin Cook. But that's fucked up. Um, but you could get an idea. Like, it seems like the really good talent 
tends yeah. to play well here because it's not fluky in my mind. Like I, I do like this golf course. So I don't, I'm not sure if any one particular game or one style of, of a player does really well here, but I do think the better players tend to excel. And I think it's just from a ball striking standpoint. That's why I think ball striking and personally, I think ball striking gets overblown a tad bit where, you know, you can't just rely on Keegan Bradley's ball striking. It, it can only carry you so far, but for the top guys, they're top guys for a reason ball striking being the reason. Um, so I do think that's why you see like a leaderboard that's usually like top guys, Casey or Sam Burns last year. And uh, driving accuracy, like I said, is not that important. So we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see um, how it goes this week. And uh, I think it, it should be a good week. And another thing about Sam Burns is that like, if you say, oh, Sam Burns won a tournament, you're probably like, he just was excellent tee to green. But and he like bombed it out. Like he wasn't, he didn't do that. He gained like eight strokes putting. Like he won it with his putter, which like, no, it, if, yeah, a lot so of tournaments little, are done that way, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, it, the, 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 the trick though that I would look at is Sam Burns, and, and I don't think this is any like groundbreaking knowledge or anything, but like for the, the golf course itself, like Sam Burns' average driving distance last year was like 300 yards, 295 to 305, something like that. At this event, it was like 280.1 or something. Yeah. So obviously dryer is not going to be the strength. So you can't, you can't look at that, but I don't think that's, that kind of helps people in a certain respect because he's not the straightest guy. Um, yeah. And it just comes down to green and regulation. Um, I have a couple of six K guys, if you want to. Yeah. Who, who are you some thinking? Crazy More ones. Yeah. So I think I've been kind of on Von Taylor this year. Um, he has a good finish a couple of years ago here, but as far as like the course fit, I really like his style of play in terms of very accurate off the tees, done well at the Honda, get it in play. Um, irons are pretty good. So like our proximity data checks out pretty well. And obviously he finished, I think, T13, uh, sorry, T18 here in 2019. Um, and shockingly enough, Sung Kang is at the top. He's at 6,800. I know some people have talked about Martin Keimer, at least to me. Um, but Sung Kang's stats actually look pretty good of late and he actually has a top 20 here so sung kang might be another guy at 6800 so it's like for me i'm i'm very i'm more flexible as i go down in pricing um the top guys i'm more strict on like okay i can't really have leaks in in certain guys games but like as i go down it's really looking for upside and guys yeah. like a sung kang that's shown upside and the stats still look okay um like Lee Hodges, I've played a couple times this year. He's kind of in the same ballpark. And then I mentioned Von Taylor and, and Kurt Kitayama. So, like, that, that's kind of how I view a field like this. As you go down the 6K range, you've got to be a little bit more lenient on – again, it's, it's not betting. You know, it's from a DFS perspective. you got to kind of – you kind of got to take these guys and um, gamble a little bit. So, Yeah, no, definitely. And I think Von Taylor's getting a lot of love. Um, I don't know about a lot of love, but I think he's a little bit popular. And he's I mean, it just kind of makes sense. So, people, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't – the good thing about 6K guys is they're never over-owned. Yeah. Um, I think one time in the last, like, three years, you had whatever that idiot's name was that was, like, 25% owned at 6.4K, um, and he missed the cut. <laughs> but for the most part, 6Ks – I mean, there's, like – there's literally, like, 60 guys from 7,500 down. So there's just never going to be just straight chalk. Um, so it's easier for you to kind of pick out guys that just stand out to you and then play them. And you, you feel a little bit better about eating, you know, five, eight, 10% chalk. Definitely. So we went through the board. I'm excited for a big DFS week, good betting week. So 
as we kind of get into major season a little bit, I, I want to get your picks for the majors. So who is winning the Masters this year? Who are you thinking? Um, Let's see. The Masters is tough, man. So, like, recency bias is a bitch. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I still really think sh- I think Xander has a chance. Like, I, I've been thinking Xander has a really good fit for Augusta, and he just hasn't been playing that well. But I would have to lean on Xander over picking, like, Scheffler or somebody that's just hot. So I think, I think Xander is a good fit And I think Augusta. the thing with Xander is that – what like what number do you think you could get on him? Because if he like misses the cut this week or something, like yeah, there's a yeah. good chance you could get like a 25 to one on him, which I think will be. I know I have a lot. My good friend Andy Lack, he loves Xander. I know a lot of people in the industry are like hoping that he doesn't play that well because they could get a good number at Augusta for him, and that seems to be the place he's most likely to win. Yeah, I love him at Augusta. Um, but a lot of the guys have a really good chance at Augusta. It's a, it's a lot easier to bet the top of the board at Augusta or any, yeah. any major, to be honest. But, um, yeah, that that's where I would think. I mean, you could always go the – like Cameron Smith, I, to your point, I do think he does win a Masters in the next five years. It just sets up really good. Short game is unbelievable. Um, Holland makes a lot of sense. So we'll see. I, I I don't know anybody at the top of the board that I could think of besides Xander. That's not like completely obvious. So what are your thoughts about, I know you played him last week. What are your thoughts about John Rahm at the moment? Because I'm not the biggest John Rahm fan. And I think he's a little bit overrated a little bit. And I think everyone's fucking cock was hard last week to bet him <laughs> at 14 to one. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just like, it, and the fact that he had the good side of the draw and just did nothing of it. It's just like people are like when it, people, I just want to get to a point where people are going to stop saying he's due for a win. He's trending for a win. He's going to get one soon because I think once we get, if he doesn't win the masters, which he won't, then you can't say that anymore. Yeah. Like people are just going to be saying this for months and months and months, and he's not going to win. It's like, come on. Yeah, I think so. In golf, I view a lot of guys as like underachievers and overachievers. So, like, I'm a big Billy Ho hater. Um, I played with him one time, and it was a very weird round of golf um, for my entire life. It was a turning point in my life. Um, <laughs> he was, he's a big overachiever, in my opinion. Billy Ho is a big overachiever. I think John Rom's an underachiever at the moment. Yep. I think he is – He, I don't know what his deal is. Um, he obviously doesn't take fitness very seriously. Um, he's, I, I don't have anything good to say about him. I, I think from a DFS perspective, it makes <laughs> sense when people hate on him and you start to play him at a yeah. – In hindsight, last week didn't make sense because the, the top of the board was so strong. But uh, I don't know. I'll probably end up playing him again at the Masters. Um, but I'm not very impressed at the moment with John. Yeah, I, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm. It was like getting to a point where just like every single week, oh, we played really well, and then everyone just makes a million excuses for him, and then it just like now it's like okay, now he really. But I hate, know? but I hate that people will say John Rom's not the guy anymore. He's not the same guy. You can't play him, and then he's 22 percent owned again. Yeah, you guys I can't think, be fucking lying to me like this. Like, why it was am I like playing those him at 22 <laughs> weeks? Everyone was just like, yeah, Bay Hill. Everyone's like, oh, people. He's are the highest price. You can't play him, and they it's played like, him, and then yeah. the players the same deal. Yeah, so. no, and like, 
Okay, hindsight 2020. I'm not like it doesn't matter. Like hindsight 2020. I'm not like set, but I would think Rom at a super long, difficult course. Like like Pete Dye <sighs> short plotters, like not the best fit for Rom. Like, I don't know that, but hindsight yeah. 2020, hundred percent. Like, obviously it's easy to say. But his that. irons obviously. have been good. So that's what, that was my thought process last week. Like his irons have been good. It's the putter that's been bad. And last I know, week and was just I, all of a sudden everything was shit. I'm at the fucking airport bar and he three putts from 19 feet. And I'm like, guys, Rom is a loss on the green. And was like, oh no, he like gained all these strokes. I'm like, Okay, like he hasn't been putting well. Like, yeah, I he hasn't been putting well. Yeah, <laughs> like the tee to green's gonna be insane, but he just, I don't know what's up with the putter, but it's something. So, I am, I know you're a great golfer. I could not be more excited for my upcoming golf season. I got new irons and I have put more balls inside 10 feet than like I've ever you done get? before. What iron did you get? I got the Callaway Mavericks. I was okay. hitting like Callaway like X twenties from like two thousand nine. Yeah, and like I'm like I am breaking very 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 unrealistic goal, but I really think I can break eighty if everything goes perfect. But I'm so excited for my game because I've been driving it fine as long as I don't have a big slice. And if I go to the range before, I feel like I don't slice it. And then if I'm driving it well and I have a seven in, I feel like I can hit the green and my long irons have been a lot better and I've been chipping and putting bad, but those things come and go. Like I can't, I'm not going to be mad at my, like, are you more mad when you don't have a good ball striking round or when you don't <laughs> putt well? Because I don't I give like, a shit anymore. Fuck me. What do you mean you don't care? I don't give a shit anymore. Fuck. I was... I drilled my head into the ground for like 10 years playing golf, college, juniors, professionally. And and when I quit playing, I was like, I don't need to be like John Rahm anymore and just get pissed off over bullshit. So, yeah, I mean, if, if it was me, things come and go for sure. Um, personally, ball striking wise is very consistent. It, it, ball striking is in golf swing stuff is very muscle memory. Like for me, it's it's really not a problem. And I don't mean to sound cocky in that sense. It's just I've done it for fucking what? been like fucking 20 years now 20 yeah it's literally been 20 years of playing golf so like ball like golf swing stuff is not a problem but like short game stuff and putting is really frustrating that's that really irks me um so that's that's what it gave me i i have the same putter since 2007 i don't hate the putter i just hate myself um but chipping and stuff like that is very frustrating when you you play well and you you fucking double from just short of the green or something like that that drives me nuts but yeah so Personally, what, is, what was big, your prof, like college professional golf career? Like when you played in college, you played in high school, you tried to play professionally. Like yeah. talk me through that. What, what did you do? Yeah. So I played uh, all four years in college. I went to Q school three years in a row and did not make it out of first stage. Um, so like all the amateur stuff I played in, like I played in the Southern AM that was played here at Copperhead in 2011. So like Harris English won that. I played with JT. I played with Smiley Kaufman. <laughs> Um, I played two rounds with Brooks Kepka. I played with Ben on Brooks Kepka was, was actually really nice at the time. He, he seems different now <laughs> and that might be because he makes a lot more money than all of us do. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I played with a lot of the guys that were top amateurs in the state and in the country at the time. And then just never, I just couldn't get it going. And honestly, it's, it sounds stupid, but like 
the prof- like mini tour professional golf is so such a mind fuck in terms of like you pay six hundred dollars or a thousand bucks and you're already losing before you even start playing and then you fucking shoot like 38 or something on the front nine and you're like i already lost all my money this week like it's re- like to me I, I really struggled um i could gamble with anybody you play me 18 holes nine holes whatever you want to play each side so you're a match play reason, guy. as soon as i Can throw a good match play guy match play I, I enjoy match play i never i never really had a great record in match play to be honest but i i enjoy it but in terms of like betting like front nine back nine skin and stuff like that that's not a problem shit i played for a lot of money doing that but like putting up 600 bucks and you're like i'm already down 600 <laughs> i just have to win like i have to win to get my money back like that's kind of how mini tour golf is so at a certain point i just got tired of it and um figured i'd play dfs and that worked out better yeah, no, I mean that that's amazing. <laughs> but I, so, I I mean seriously, I, I had a pretty good college career and I where did you play? Actually played well. I played at Southeastern University, it's down here in Florida. Okay. And um like I said, I played I qualified for the second stage of the US Open qualifier when I was in high school. So like I probably peaked in high school. Um and that's where I played with <laughs> Billy Ho. And um the dude was he was he was funny, but he was like kind of weird funny. <laughs> Like, yeah. he was doing some weird shit on the golf course. Um, Which hasn't changed, it seems. It has not changed at all. He's just richer. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of good memories of golf. I just, at this point in my career, I don't care so much when I play bad. I'm going to, like, this year I'm going to try to play in the U.S. Open again. I'll do the qualifying. Um, but I don't have as much pressure as I did back then, so it makes it nicer. It was a shit show back then, man. It's 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 such a fucking, when you, when you don't, like you could have people that even back you and you always feel bad for losing money. So like yeah. if, if I was playing DFS and let's just say they had the, like the $2,000 one last week and you're like, Hey man, I want to stake you in the 2000. Yep. Now I have some guilt if I don't win because I lost some of your money. And that's how professional golf is. Like, yeah, I can be, you obviously want to stake me cause I'm decent, but as soon as I lose now I feel bad and that makes it worse. It's, and it's, it's just, already it's really hard tough. enough. It's already tough enough. Yeah. Like with the whole, so. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's fucking tough, man. It's, <laughs> it's brutal. So, if you make it, it's great. If you don't make it, you're just losing money every year. So do you have like a greater appreciation for like the tours and like a guy that like comes up and like plays yeah. super well and, and makes it because you actually know what it was like versus like. Yes. So, everyone on Twitter who like shoots in the nineties. Kind of, kind of. I mean, everyone, I, I play with a lot of bad golfers and a lot of guys that are fun to play with and shoot 90. Like being fun to play with does not necessarily mean like you're good at golf, right? Um, but like Sam Ryder, I played a lot of golf with Sam Ryder. We were about the same level, skill level through amateur golf into college. And he stuck with it past when I did. He went to the Canadian tour. He qualified. He got really? to the Corn Ferry tour. He got through it. Like kudos to him for making it to me. I never had the vision of like waiting 10 years. I just felt like I was going to go broke and then be like a bum. And I didn't want to be a bum. So it was either I either quit and get a job or I keep playing to be a bum. And he kept playing and became rich. So um, a lot of a lot of stories like that. But even have you heard of Blaine Barber, Do you know who Blaine Barber is. I, I don't know who that is. So Blaine Barber, he's on the Corn Ferry Tour now. But in the state of Florida, he was better than Brooks. He was better than Daniel Berger. He was the number one guy in Florida through high school. He went to Auburn. He played great. He was probably no, one of the top college golfers. He can't even get on the, the PGA Tour right now. Like it's it's funny how guys come up from the amateur golf and are excellent, 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 and they just can't make it. Um, he was one of the guys like you would think he would win a major at some point, and now. Yeah. Brooks is the guy was Brooks was always pretty good. Daniel Berger was always pretty good, but like 
Blaine was better and he's, he can't even stay on the corn ferry tour. So it's just tough. It's just tough when guys like get to a point and they believe in themselves. Um, it's why, I mean, Morikawa, not to just harp on this all, all night, but like Morikawa, he didn't win a single college event. I don't think. And now he got on the PGA tour and, he, and he's the That's number one guy in the world. Like, how does that make sense? But some guys just, they get it to click and they just run with it. So kudos to them. I just, I just, I gave up a little bit too soon. Probably I regretfully gave up a little too soon, but. So um, you just like fun. and enjoy a nice round to go out, like, you know, shoot in the like low seventies, whatever. Yeah. Like, so what are you like a scratch now? Plus. Yeah. Like, I'm plus, I think it's like a plus 3.9 right now. And but how often do you play? Do you just play much. like. Like once every other week, probably. Once every other week. Yeah, during the summer, I'll play more because tournaments start up. But like during the winter, it's the nice weather. I've just been lazy. But yeah, during the, during the summer, we have U.S. Open qualifying, U.S. Amateur, U.S. Mid-Am, all the stuff. So I'll plan that. All but, right. Um, so to, every week. On a, on a completely different, because I'm someone I shoot in the mid-90s. Like I've only broken 90 once, but. I, in my new few rounds with the new irons, like I've shot in the low 90 a few times. So what advice would you give to me as someone that wants to shoot in the eighties more often and just be more consistent? Because I've like, I'm very happy with my golf game right now, but I just want to be in the eighties more. So what advice would you give to me to kind of uh, <laughs> do that and play in the eighties more and not be in the nineties? I mean, number one is driver. I don't know how often you're hitting the fairways, but like that's step number one. I mean, most big scores are are because you hit it out of bounds yep. or hitting the hazard yep. stuff like that. So that's step number one. It's either you you go to the driving range and work on it, or you go get fit and get a driver that you feel comfortable with. Whatever you have to do, um, pick a shot shape if it's a fade or a draw. Whatever you do, I don't care. Like if you hit a twenty yard fade slash slice, that's fine. Just play it. Don't don't fight it. Um, that's step one, and then as long as you're not three putting, you know, a couple times around, that's, that's it. It's really, if you can get in and play off the tee, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, you can't really, it'd be really hard to shoot over 85 if you hit every fairway, we'll say. Yeah. Which shouldn't be that difficult on most golf courses. Yeah. Because I've, I kind of had my realization last year because the courses I play, what they're 6,200 yards, they're, they're shorter courses. And mm -hmm. I just said, fuck it. I'm going to hit my three hybrid off every single tee. Yeah. And when my three hybrid gets going, I don't like, I don't have a miss with it. It just goes straight. Yeah. And then my best rounds, it was like, Oh, I went out and I shot a 91 only hitting my hybrid. And I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to this yeah. because I've always said, you cannot play good golf unless you're in position off the tee. If you're slicing every single ball, you're chipping out, you're playing for bogey at 100%. Best. Like yeah. literally at best. If you're in the middle of the fairway, at worst, at least for me, even if I'm super far back, seven iron, six irons close, chip up, two putt, move on and make a bogey. Yeah. And when you yeah, do it's so the driver, the driver is undervalued. I mean, people always they joke and say, Oh, it's driver show yeah. putt for dough. And yeah, like, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna win a golf tournament, you gotta putt pretty well. But if you don't get it in play, you're fucked yeah. off the get-go. So yeah. get it in play. You know, get a driver that you like. I don't have a problem tinkering with a driver. I I don't personally because I, if I ever hit it bad, it's my own fault. At this point, I, I've hit the driver well enough. But if you're at a point where like, you know, I hit my irons well, but my driver's not good. Yeah, go get go get a new driver, get fit or something like that. Um, and then short game, short game's important. But for lowering your score below ninety, 
in my opinion, it's driver and then yep. irons. That's yep. 100% what I would focus on. Fucking yep. short game, I don't care about because if you're not getting there in five shots, it doesn't matter. If yep. you're getting, I mean, if you're getting there in five shots, it doesn't matter. If you're getting there in two or two or three shots, yeah, now work on your short game. But yeah, get it in, play off the tee, and then work on your irons. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I don't know what it is, I, I, but for whatever reason, I like to go to the range before I play, but if I yeah, don't, for whatever reason, my first tee ball usually tends to be a slice. If it's my first real swing of the day, for whatever reason, it's a slice. So if I'm getting e- even a few driver swings, a few iron swings, like I just tend to play better. And if I'm driving it well, like I'm just very confident in my ability yeah. to shoot in the eighties more just because I'm in the fairway and my biggest struggle with my old irons was that I just never even tried to hit my five or six iron because I didn't hit those clubs well. But now this new set, I can hit my six iron, 175, 180. I can hit my five iron, like 180 if I hit it good. So that's where I struggled is in my long irons. Like I didn't, I wasn't great. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to hit my one, I'm going to hit my seven iron 160 and chip up. But now I have a lot more confidence in my long irons and that helps me on par fives, on longer par fours. And it, it frees me up to play more yeah. difficult courses and like be able to score par better. Fives even, and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm never, ever, ever, ever in a par five on two. Like I just yeah. I really struggle with my long iron game. But if I'm playing courses, under 74 long, long irons are tough anyway so i wouldn't beat yourself up over long irons but like you know it i would say if you had a lot of, a lot of long irons into into holes then you're probably playing the wrong tees and i don't mm-hmm. want to say that to you but just in general for most people like if yeah. you're hitting a lot of long irons then something's wrong yeah. um but yeah i mean if you're mid irons if you're hitting a few bad long irons that's not a big deal to me yeah but you're gonna lose way more shots from hitting in the trees or out of bounds or in a bunker or in the water absolutely off the tee so so, Drew, absolutely amazing pot. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we could talk about the board. I'm glad we could talk about your golf career, my uh, amateur, just trying to <laughs> trying to break 90 career. But uh, you're a great yeah, guy. If you come down to and, Florida, let me know. Yeah, we'll no, I, I have – um, I have family in West Palm and, okay. like, Ballon Isles. So we'll have to get around in and uh, play a tournament and play – some uh, van and you could give me a yeah. stroke a hole maybe two strokes a hole and it will be a good fun <laughs> so um i appreciate you coming on and i appreciate everyone who uh checked out the pod it was really a great one and i really appreciate your insight and uh, i'm glad we were able to do it yeah absolutely brian thank you man all right everyone have a good night